First of all, I realize this is probably not how you thought the story would start. Not with a big, shiny moon, or a city that could look stunning in spite of itself. Or me. Welcome to the second part of the Three Men in a Retrospective podcast, look at the Batman portion of the DC Universe. They're really making movies about every superhero! Listen in as Garrett... I look amazing. You guys look okay. Matt? God damn it. Well, what are you waiting for? Kick the hell out of me and get your standing ovation. And Adam? Uh, this guy? Really? Continue their look at all cinematic incarnations, starring the Gate Crusader. Hi, Bruce Wayne, billionaire, bon vivant, gallivanter, playboy, Gotham's most eligible bachelor like 90 years in a row. Included on this leg of the retrospective are reviews of Batman the Killing Joke. By clinging to reality, you're denying the reality of the situation. Suicide Squad. The world changed when Superman flew across the sky. And then it changed again when he didn't. The Lego Batman movie. I never sleep because I'm too busy fighting criminals and saving Gotham City 24-7. Justice League. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this. And Teen Titans go to the movies. This is a DC movie? Don't forget to keep checking in each week as we are leading up to a review of Matt Reeves' latest Dark Knight incarnation, The Batman. I can already see. Things will get worse before they get better. All coming up, courtesy of Percolated Media. You ready? Let's go. The Lego Batman movie, released February 10th, 2017. Budget was $80 million. Box office $312 million, so it made quite a profit. And this was directed by Chris McKay. All right, boys, at this point, the three of us have done some pretty lengthy retrospectives. We've done James Bond, which was massive. We did Harry Potter. And at one point in those retrospectives, I I thought to myself, I'm like, man, like we're only in, like, in the midst of this, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get through it. I have reached that point with this retrospective, <laughs> with this movie, because I don't know why we're doing this movie. Uh, whose idea was it to do this movie? Adam, is this is this a is this a youism again after the great result of Killing Joke? Oh no, uh, uh no, I'm not taking blame for this one. I'm putting this one really on you. On my on my shoulders. My okay, fault. all right, Goudreau. Yeah, I'm blaming you, Goudreau. <laughs> Why are we doing the Lego Batman movie? Because you told me to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because if you want someone to blame for you guys being. Uh, We'll be right back, everyone, with our very special guests on the show, the Cold Miser and the Heat Miser, uh, episode. Because I had put this on the schedule right away because it got a theatrical release. No questions asked. I knew this automatically because I saw it in the theater. And to my understanding, nobody questioned it until about two weeks ago when Garrett's like, oh, fuck, we actually have to review that. To which I said, oh, I know someone's excited to watch this, but that, that's a conversation we're going to get into very shortly because Garrett had some staunch opinions about where this actually came from to begin with. Yeah, and I'm breaking a major rule by doing this movie. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm breaking the rule of not doing any comedies. And, and a big reason why 
I never wanted to do comedies is because everything, and this movie is a staunch example of it. Everything in this movie is set up to be a joke. And comedy is so subjective that you look at it and you say, it's either funny or it's not to you. But there's no like one way or another with this. So I'm looking at this movie and I'm just, I'm baffled as to what we're doing. Plus, I didn't like the first Lego Batman movie. I'm one of the only people I know who, when they said everything is awesome, no, everything is not awesome. That movie annoyed the fuck out of me. So coming in, I got to say, I was pretty low on the expectation front. I'm assuming you two had seen this in the theaters. Yep, absolutely. You saw it. Goudreau, what about you? Yep, went opening night with uh with my friend Sean, and we packed theater, which is not a surprise, because this th- Batman always draws a crowd, but you throw Legos, you will see more more kids in that movie theater than I've seen at like summer some summer camps. It was it was insane. And it should come as no shock to anybody. This is the first time I've seen this. Uh, I'm just not a fan of the Lego movies, you know, just going way back. Matt, how did this come about? So the Lego Batman movie comes out, and what? They decided, well, we got to do a Batman movie because that received such good positive feedback when we did the original Lego movie. Is that how this came about? Well, the original Lego movie, despite you not being a fan, was one of those one of those movies that just came out of nowhere. Because when I heard that premise, the Lego movie, up until the Emoji movie came out, I'm like, this is the most corporate branded bullshit I could possibly imagine. And to be perfectly honest, it wasn't until I actually saw the movie that I really realized what they were doing. Because the movie, what I, you know, unlike you, I really like the Lego movie a lot. The brilliant thing was that the trailer does not reveal why that movie, I think, had the resonance that it did. I think there's more to it than just the references and Warner Brothers taking a victory lap. It's a strong message at the end of it when you when you realize that basically the reason why the movie was not eligible for the Best Animated Feature Oscar was the most important part of the movie. So when you look at the fact that movie made $468 million, so it made more than the one we're talking about, but it was something that when it was done, they had talked about doing a bunch of Lego movies, officially. There were some straight-to-video ones that have Batman in them, but they're not tied to this this Warner Brothers production team or anything like that. They also were working on The Lego Movie 2, but they chose to focus on this instead. They had Chris McKay brought in to, to direct it. Lord and Miller were, were on as producers. So it seemed like a natural progression of things because Batman was a key part of The Lego Movie. But truth be told... When I heard that this was actually coming out, I was a little bit worried because I thought it would be too much of a good thing. I thought the the way they used Batman in the Lego movie was perfect because he doesn't he's in the movie but he's not the main character. And I was wondering with the Lego in the title, how much of this was gonna be kidified or was it gonna get something like Pixar, the best Pixar where it appeals to all generations and demographics. Alright, and Adam, you saw the first Lego movie, you I'm assuming you really like that one, correct? Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan of the Lego movie. I don't even think you remember, but you watched it once with myself and Alex in my living room a lifetime ago. I don't remember that. Nope, I don't think you you were here. (laughs) Wow. For for a spell that you were here and such, and one day we took it easy. And you know why? Because we were still upset about watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I absolutely loved the Lego movie. And just like Matt, I remember that premise and sitting there going, Lego movie, what a stupid idea. Who the hell thinks this is going to work? And yeah, movie is phenomenal. I think it's very well written. I think it's smart. 
So when it came to this one, you know, you took one of the one of the side characters, but somebody that definitely got a big pop when he showed up in the Lego movie. And to give him his own, if you were going to spin it off, makes sense. Not just because it's Warner Brothers, because under the Lego banner, when they're doing something with label, whether it's a video game, whether it's a movie like this, they're able to cross licenses. You know, and they're able to use a lot of things that traditionally you can't, because as long as they're Lego five, Lego holds the license, which gives you an immense amount of flexibility. But it's you know, if you're gonna do one and if you're gonna hope to make a whole lot of money throwing Batman on that title, I mean in a boardroom it just makes sense. All right. So that's the lead up coming in. I mean, here's the thing. It, it took about two and a half years to get this thing on the screen. And going through all of that, we had Zack Snyder's verse going up. And, you know, we had all the drama going on with that, which we're going to talk about next week with a lot of drama. But the Zack Snyder verse was not getting very positive feedback from the majority of people. So this movie had a lot to play off of. You know, we, we had the Burton movies, we had the Schumacher movies, and we had the Snyder verse. So. If there was one thing I was looking forward to, it was like, okay, the Batman universe that we have examined, the way it could play off of that is something that I could see actually being something kind of entertaining. But I got to say, again, I was not a fan of that first Lego movie, so I was thinking, can this at least entertain me at least a little bit, was my feeling. Because if you, if you at least go after the Snyderverse, I, I think you can get some pretty good jokes going. But I guess we could just examine how well these jokes work, huh? So uh, what do you say we guys just we, we just dive right into this? Let's build it. <laughs> Let's build it. And again, another movie where the plot is not that extensive. So <laughs> this might be a pretty short podcast. We were hearing in the very beginning here that all important movies start with a black screen and ominous music along with a lot of logos. And I hate this movie already because any movie that says <laughs> come at me, bro, needs to go the fuck away. <laughs> Will Arnett. Now, was he Batman in the original Lego Batman movie? Yes, he was. Okay. Yep. In addition to it, for anybody that's watched, I think it's a series on Fox, Lego Masters, he's also the host of that, where it's literally a Lego building show that exists. So somehow Will Arnett, who I've never watched, what is it, Community, I think he's on, or Park and Red, I don't know. I, the, the millennial sitcoms aren't for me. Uh, sorry, I'm old. But the shows he's on, I don't know him from. To me, he's from the Lego movie, and he's from Lego Masters. <laughs> Um, on Fox. But yes, this is same character, at least. Same actor. So we're going through a Michael Jackson quote, and then we're seeing a bunch of henchmen take over a plane, and we see that they're headed by Joker. Now, Joker was played by Zach Galifianakis, which was an interesting mm -hmm. casting choice. Joker says that tonight is going to be different than the two boats or the parade. So they're already making the references, right? And people who know me know that when it comes to references, if you're doing them okay, then I don't like them. If you're not, then I am completely against you. I got to tell you, boys, I don't think these references are used that well. Uh, what, what do you guys think about the references that they do in this? Not only in this part, but this movie in general. I think they work to varying degrees. There, there's a difference between a reference and a joke that utilizes a reference. When the heyday of parody films were over and we got stuck with the blank movies, that started the trend of we're just going to reference something by name or an image and not make a joke about it. The joke comes from you being familiar with it, and if you're not, it makes no difference on your viewing experience. This movie runs, I think, both sides. There's a lot of blatant references that are not delivered with punchlines, but there are some that I think do work very well because they're satirizing specific areas of the Batman mythology. 
So early on, the obvious references like the parade and the Prince music, those to me fall more into the former where I wish there was some more cleverness outside of just, hey, remember this thing that we did 10 and or 20 plus years ago? So I'm not going to call any of them god awful. Like I did not have a, you know, date movie experience where I just wanted to run out of the theater and go drown myself in a leak. But I thought compared to the Lego movie, there was a certain amount of subverted cleverness that was lacking. And for the record, to appease all the millennials who are listening, myself included, uh, the show you're thinking of, Adam, is Arrested Development. Nope, that's it. Haven't seen that either. Thank you. And Adam, you're, I'm assuming you, yeah. you're, all, you're all about these references. No, it's actually kind of irritating me right from the get-go. It's, it's weird. And hearing so much of it come out as Zach Galifianakis's voice... If, if you're going to cast people as a voice actor just to get a name up there, get somebody who can actually voice act more than one way. I'm a huge, huge fan of Bob's Burgers, of those that don't know. And the entire time I watch this movie, and especially now watching it again for this, he's Felix Fishoder in that show. And all I hear this entire freaking movie is that character pretending to be the Joker. That said, these references are hit and miss, but I think so much of this movie is just throwing whatever is laying around at the wall and praying that something sticks to it. And more often than not, it's just glopping on the floor for me because, oof, I mean, some of this action, I mean, it's even cut, like, more awkwardly than freaking Quantum of Solace. Like, it's an animated movie. You don't have to be this jarring and to go from the editor to director mckay is not starting me off on a good foot here it's oof no i'm just some of the references will work good some of them will get a good laugh at me when it's nostalgic nods and things like that some of these are done just eye rolling and it's not a good way to start Mm. did you take alex to this yep absolutely and what do you think what he think what he think of it he wasn't a giant fan either you know the trailer he really likes. And I still say, if you want to enjoy, well, I'll save some stuff for summation, but the trailer sets a tone that I don't think the movie can live up to. I will say the movie did start me off on a good note. I was giggling through his opening preamble because I've had those similar thoughts about black screens and, and the logos. I, I did like the changing the Michael Jackson quote to Batman. <laughs> you like that? I, I knew you would. <laughs> oh, of course I would. I was giggling uncontrollably for the first like two minutes of this movie. So speaking of parades, we have the parade of villains that we're going to see throughout the course of this movie being introduced here. We got the Riddler, we got Scarecrow, Bane, Two-Face, Catwoman, basically all the way up to Condiment Man. <laughs> okay. See, this is funny because unless you are a hardcore devotee of the Batman mythology, a lot of these villains are not the household names. And they go so far down the pecking order that the movie actually has to acknowledge, yes, all of these are real. And to me, that's actually, that's kind of clever that Batman has such a well-regarded rogues gallery that even reaches a point where even there is a drop-off between the well-knowns and your crazy quilts and your kite mans and all that kind of stuff. So I think this is a good example of showing the history of Batman in, in a way of reverence, but also poking fun at, yeah, some of these are just so ridiculous. There's a reason why you will never see the, the Kite Man movie. At least I, I hope not. We'll see how many Matt Reeves movies we get. <laughs> so he's I, an actual I, I don't villain? know. I'll say Tom King made it. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God. Not only that, but he played a prominent role in a recent comic line, The War of Jokes and Riddles, and he was Poison Ivy's fiance for a time in the Harley Quinn TV show. So, Kite Man? Hell yeah. Wow. This part I like. I agree with Matt. It makes me laugh that they're 
you know, referencing so far down the list that they take a pause, and, you know, and it's like, oh, it's true. Google it. The Condiment King, you know, I believe showed up on 66. Like, these are all real names, real lists, people that are there. So, and not to mention, to me, this is where you can have fun with Lego because Lego is known for making, you know, a minifig, especially out of everything. And that's what these are, is busting out the minifigs. We see the bat signal has been egged by Egghead. And then we're seeing the Joker's plot with bombs and an expert is saying how flimsy Gotham streets are and that they have to surrender Gotham City. There's also a great pot shot here at Suicide Squad because when Killer Croc is the one who activates the bomb and he says, I did something. (laughs) Joker is told by Batman that one rule of roulette is always bet on black. So they're stealing from 90 Snipes films now too, by the way. This is a Passenger 57 line. This is also where some of the the voice acting, they're just going for names. Like you have Mariah Carey as the mayor, where it's like, okay, kids are not going to know who the fuck that is unless they listen to her Christmas album on repeat. You get some clever stuff. You get Billy D as Two-Face. Yeah, I love that. That was inspired. Of course, Bane sounds like Tom Hardy, which that joke to me will always be funny because that voice 10 years later is still parody to the point where Harley Quinn has upped this considerably <laughs> and you will just keel over. He's even wearing the except the like the fur overcoat. Uh like Conan O'Brien's the Riddler. Yeah. Some of these are thing, but a lot of them don't even have lines. So many of them it's like, hey, who can we get to come into the booth this week, record just a few lines and that's it. Or you know what? They probably just ad lib because so much of this feels like, you know, it's animated and that it's like, hey, just just say something with what's going on in here. You know, I don't feel like this was written as much as it was put these people in a booth for an hour, pay them some lines and cut it together later. But yeah, the list of named actors that they got on this is mind boggling. Like the person that they get to play Alfred when there is another character that shows up that this person played should be an inside joke if they would have just let them face off against each other. Yeah, and then then we're hearing the Batman jam. One big thing about the Lego movie, and I kind of made a jab at it at the beginning of this podcast, talking about everything is awesome and everything is not awesome, whatever. What do you guys think about the songs in this as opposed to when the Lego movie was out and that got all the praise that it got? They got a lot of songs that they throw out here, so I don't know if Warner Music decided just to go into their own catalog and use what they owned, but there's a bunch, and it's in the movie. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how much of it actually fits, but it's almost like saying, hey, look at all these characters, and hey, look at all these songs that we can do more, more, more. I'm impressed with the quantity of them, but not impressed whatsoever with the way they're used or what they even are. I was very disappointed that the, the best song in the that Lego movie, the Darkness No Parents song, which might as well have Aww. been in the Zack Snyder movies, because it's so spot on, was not reprised. I felt like with this music, it's as candy-coated as the visuals of this movie, with the colors, and like if you listen to it long enough, I'm convinced you'll get diabetes. That's how sugary sweet <laughs> a lot of it is. Batman finds Joker, and Joker gives him an option, and Batman also disagrees that Joker's his greatest enemy, and that they're not even a thing. He means nothing to him. Batman is then celebrated, even saying that he's blushing super hard under that mask. And then he heads to the orphanage and gives away some advice about taking care of abs and giving away some bat bucks here just to kind of make his way. So they're really taking a lot of jabs at this character at this point. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. I, I like that they're classifying him as a true sociopath. And he's the ultimate self-absorbed character. And I do like that 
of all the eras that they're satirizing, and they do pretty much all of them, one thing they really run with that I think is funny every time is the culture of dependency that Batman created in the Adam West era is both celebrated in this movie, and it's also a plot point that the citizens of Gotham need to get past. That it's not a healthy thing for them to depend on someone who throws pieces of sharp metal at the mentally ill. This part here at the orphanage is one of the ones that makes me, makes me smile a little bit. It's fun. I think it's also kind of a jab at Dark Knight Rises, though, and him showing up to an orphanage where there he ditched an orphanage because we don't ever see him interact or do anything with one directly. So what comes out of the orphanage and everything else is an interesting way to go about it, but I'm laughing at some of this. So Bruce goes to Wayne Manor on Wayne Island, surrounded by friends and lady tennis players, or so he would like you to think. He's undressing on the belt, and then he puts some lobster in the microwave, and we learn that he plays guitar, which is an interesting character trait. He watches Jerry Maguire in his own home theater, so (laughs) somehow Tom Cruise made his way into this, and Bruce is looking at pictures of his parents, telling them how proud they'd be of him when Alfred sneaks up and gets kicked into a piano. Alfred said, poor Alfred. poor Alfred in this indeed. He says he's worried because he's seen him go through these deep emo phases in over 50 years of film. And so then we're seeing like clips of the older films, you know, which I thought was kind of clever. That's funny. Clever until they went with the most obvious one with the nipples. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can't you can't get mad at them for going for the obvious because this is a Lego movie, Matt. Of course they're going to go for that because that is the one that's mostly known in pop culture. Was one thing people mention, even people who don't even know the Schumacher movies, one thing they do know is that the fucking uproar that the nipples caused when that movie was out. <laughs> like you can't get mad at them for knocking that. But it's also inconsistent. It's the only one that's not stylized in Lego form, which is fine with me. I was not upset at that. <laughs> Because it's not as iconic. Uh, we, we made a lot of fun of that Batman costume from 89 just because of the way it restricted his movement. But you can't deny how badass it looked. Nobody would say in the Schumacher films that those bat suits were any kind of awesome at all. <laughs> so Alfred tells Batman that he can, in fact, spend the rest of his life listening to angry music and staying up all night when he should be concentrating on being part of a family again. And this becomes a mantra in this movie. Yeah, I thought Vin Diesel was going to show up at some point. (laughs) I thought Fast and Furious was going to be one of the tie-ins because this is not the only... Batman is not the exclusive IP that is showcased in this movie, but I don't think Universal would have played ball. And certainly Vin Diesel would not have played ball because he'd be like, you're making a joke at my expense, go fuck yourself. I'm Mr. Mr. Self-Serious. He is darkness, no parents, if it was an actor. Mm -hmm. He's about as emotive as an actual Lego. (laughs) which we discussed in those podcasts last year. So Batman leaves for a party with his cowl on, and then Superman is shown on a TV show, and man, this Superman actually looks fun, as opposed to the one we discussed. (laughs) I like this Superman, actually. Well, you know whose voice it is, right? No. Oh, it's Channing Tatum. Oh, that's great. Who is a holdover from the Lego movie. Mm. Green Lantern still Jonah Hill. So they, I kind of wish they made, instead of a Lego Batman movie, do a Lego Justice League movie. Because they use almost all of them. Most of them have cameos in this movie. Most of them are in the previous movie. Especially because there was a Justice League movie coming out that year. I thought that would have been something kind of uh, kind of cute and innocuous. And, well, we'll save it for next week. There's a gala with Jim Gordon as Bruce makes his presence known. He tells Richard Grayson that kids can be cruel. And Grayson says that all the kids call him Dick. <laughs> 
Man, these jokes. Wayne has his eyes on a redhead Barbara Gordon and says that he's in the market for an orphan. And then Barbara is revealed to be the new commissioner. She talks about how much they don't need Batman. And Bruce asks her what her problem with Batman is. And she says that her dream is for the police force to team up with Batman. So again, Batman, it's being really, really outlined in this movie that Batman's the loner. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. There's no subtlety. There's no (laughs) question about everything. Yeah. Yeah, everything is splattered on the paint on the wall. Joker makes his grand entrance as Batman suits up. And Barbara takes out some thugs, and Joker throws them off by surrendering to the new commissioner. He then starts punching all of Joker's thugs, and the end of crime is seemingly achieved. Batman asks his computer, a.k.a. Siri, how to put Joker in the Phantom Zone, and Alfred puts a lock on his computer access. Uh, who plays Alfred in this? Ray Fiennes. Oh. Ray Fiennes. Oh. Okay. For a bit, I thought maybe it was Jeremy Irons, and I didn't really look at the behind the scenes of this or anything, so I wasn't sure about that. Which is amazing since later on we get Voldemort in this movie. Yeah. And it's not voiced by Ray Fiennes. Movie has it all backwards. Alfred says Bruce better straighten up because Dick, his new son, is now in the mansion. Batman calls Balfred out right before he runs into him in the cave. And then Batman finds out that the only way to put Joker in the Phantom Zone is to, of course, use the Phantom Zone projector. Located at Superman's Fortress of Solitude. They head to the fortress, complete with John Williams' score, which I thought was kind of clever. And Batman shows Robin his good idea counter. And this was one joke in the movie, I will admit I did laugh. When he pulls out the counter, he's like, okay, this is how many ideas I've had, how many good ideas I've had over the past, you know, 10 years or 20 years or whatever. And Robin Robin just kind of looked at it. I thought that was kind of funny. Good joke in the trailer, too. Oh, was that in the trailer? I didn't realize that. Yep. If you're laughing at it, it's in the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's... Pretty much sums up Adam's thoughts. You can go ahead and leave the call, sir. Batman rings the Superman-themed doorbell, and he enters the Justice League anniversary party. That it actually played the John Williams score. Yeah. You know, which they actually have listed as a credit. That's a nice little nod that makes me laugh. That's the smart kind of jokes that a lot of the Lego direct-to-DVD DC movies have that I don't think that this one has enough of, but that right there, when you know what it is, that makes you laugh. They have Lego direct DC movies. Oh God! Direct yeah. to DVD. There's a lot of really. And you got to think of you know the age of my kids and especially Alex. Like I got a bunch of them. No pun intended there. And some of them actually quite fucking good. You know, a lot of them really are. Wow. When you say a lot of them, how many are we talking here? About a dozen. There's probably around that. I think I have bought physical media for probably five or six of them. Wow. Now, a lot of times I bought the physical media because I got, of course, an exclusive minifig of a DC character. So, <laughs> of course you did. You know, of course I did. But, yeah, there's, there's actually some quite, some quite good ones out there. And, you know, if you're scrolling through HBO Max board sometimes, some of them are worth a watch. Batman leaves the party and looks for the projector crystal. And after getting the projector, Batman tells Robin that he's very proud of himself for teaching Robin well. <laughs> Again, just congratulating himself here. Now, this is... The, one of the things it does here, and it's funny because it gets called out on his late, called out on it later, and it's the type of thing that it never does enough self-referentialness with in the comics is he has no problem putting Robin's life in danger for what he wants, yeah. you know, none whatsoever. They head to Arkham Asylum and they run into Barbara, and then Batman says that he agrees to work together on the Joker case, and then he's unloading his pockets as he enters, which is a joke I've seen I don't know how many times in how many movies. It doesn't fail to get me a laugh every time, when he's just unloading all these guns and whatnot onto this counter. 
It's funny because Batman normally doesn't carry guns, except for guns that crash out to the front of the Batmobile. Yeah. <laughs> they find Joker, and he still won't admit that he's his greatest enemy. And then he sends him to the Phantom Zone and says that he's just Batmaning. Barbara tells Batman that he's not who he thought he is, and all he cares about is himself. She then tells him what if he just gave Joker exactly what he wanted. But then Joker wakes up in the Phantom Zone, and Phyllis wants to scan him. Which I, I find it funny that, that the Phantom Zone has like this thing called Phyllis that kind of runs around here, this little computer. Yeah, it's, it's half spark from the Halo games. Oh, interesting. Not literally, but it's basically. It oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What the hell is that character? Is that all spark, half spark? Yeah, I, I know who you mean, but yeah, I can't think of what it's oh, called. Guilty, guilty spark, I said. Which is how Garrett felt watching this movie. <laughs> Joker meets all the other bad people in the Phantom Zone, and then he ends up recruiting them. And as Adam mentioned, you know, we have Voldemort here. We have a whole bunch of baddies here. And Warner Brothers has pretty much unloaded their vault, right? And they just said, okay, let's get every single baddie we could find from our vault and just put them in this movie. Pretty well, much, yeah. The, the funniest thing, they got Eddie Izzard to play a J.K. Rowling character. To me, that is the ultimate fuck you to J.K. Rowling, and I love it so much. That is pretty funny, actually. I don't think that was intentional because I don't think she came out as transphobic yet, or at least didn't put it out there. But that that is such a, a delicious bit of irony that I wish someone would fillet and serve at restaurants a uh, <laughs> hating side of eat this, you racist, transphobic bitch. Uh, I would order that every single day. But not not to go on a tirade as I so often tend to do. You also got, like, Agent Smith, but it's not Hugo mm-hmm. Weaving. Yeah. Sauron is Jermaine Clement from uh, Flight of the Concords. Seth Green is King Kong, who I don't view as the villain. I don't either. Yeah. Proves yeah. that Warner Brothers doesn't understand the tragedy of King Kong, mm-hmm. which makes sense because they've tried it numerous times. They even made it three-plus hours long, and it sucked. Oh, we'll get to that yeah, movie eventually. Announced, I don't think that they just good. announced a new one. Yeah, I'm not as down on that movie as a lot of people are. Harley releases the inmates, and Joker proclaims the clown prince of crime is back and starts his rampage on Gotham. Joker hears that Bruce is Batman's roommate, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Joker shows up in the Batcave as Batman and Robin are locked up. Batman proves to be a good beatboxer. Come on, guys. Are you guys actually laughing at this point? I mean, we've gotten joke after joke after joke thrown at us here. Are you guys still laughing, or are you guys kind of hanging your head like I am? I'm not not laughing. There was only one point where I laughed. What are you guys feeling at this point? Are you guys having a good time here? Once the Phantom Zone is introduced and all the other characters bust into this movie, I find the humor becomes a lot more scattershot. It's no longer entirely Batman-specific. I don't just say that because King Shark exists in the DC Universe, but I think the movie jumps the shark here, and it never fully recovers. The first half, especially when when Robin, the first thing where they sneak into the Fortress of Solitude, I find all that great because they basically took the Zack Snyder Batman and had Burt Ward's Robin under his wing, and that is the ultimate contrast. I find all that stuff to be very funny, but once the sky portal of death opens up that we've seen in I don't know how many mm-hmm. fucking superhero movies, a lot of it stumbles to the finish line for me. Like, to me, this is a this is a movie of two halves, much like Mr. Billy D. Williams' his character in this movie. Yeah, I'm not having the greatest time before this, and my interest in this movie is pretty much darker than Batman's soul. I'm just not... I mean, I... I'd almost willingly walk down Crime Alley to have to stop watching this movie at this point. Wow. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm checked the fuck 
out. And you're the big Batman fan, too. I'm a Batman fan, and I love the Lego movie. Mm. I mean, other than Billy Dee Williams getting to be Two-Face and Zoe Kravitz, before she was live-action Catwoman, getting to be Catwoman, I am not enjoying the jokes. I'm not enjoying the attempt at giving him pathos through humor, and I'm not having a good time whatsoever. Batman gets a bat fax, and Barbara lets him out with the condition that he doesn't do it himself, and Batman says that B-A-T stands for Best at Teamwork. They end up getting out, and Batman keeps finishing her sentences. And we see that King Kong is here, as Matt mentioned, played by Seth Green. And they get away on the Batwing, and they swoop in on that wonderful toy, which is a clever little reference there to the 89 film. Joker somehow has gremlins at his disposal, so they grab those out of the vault and throw them, mm-hmm. throw them, threw them in as cameos. I, I thought that was... It was kind of cool. I'm like, oh, did they actually? Oh, yeah, those are the actual Gremlins from that movie. They sure are. They are, although I like the jokes about Batman and, and Gremlins 2, the new batch, were funnier than this. <laughs> certainly more clever. The only visual cues that I laughed at was Alfred's wearing the 60s Adam West suit. Even some of that, when they're trying to have fun going through all the suits, you know, when they're down in the Batcave. Just whipping through it so fast that you don't get a chance to actually enjoy it, have fun with it, with a very rare exception. And that was a moment kind of stolen directly from Toy Story 2 when Ken and Barbie are going, or Toy Story 3, I guess, when Ken and Barbie are going through, you know, his entire wardrobe. It's lost here. But yeah, that moment with Alfred, good moment. The rest of it, and they do it at least twice, I think three times, doesn't work. Robin says he needs to go to the restroom, and Batman and Alfred exchange timeouts. Alfred falls before Batman can save him, so Barbara ends up doing that dirty work. Batman says that he wants to fly right into Saron, so they bring Saron into this. They all survive, as Batman didn't want to smile for the victory. Batman says that this is not the family they were thinking they were. (laughs) And then Batman finds the Joker in his, I mean, Bruce's house. (laughs) He's just like... No, I'm not Bruce. I'm Batman. Joker wants Batman to proclaim that he hates him. Batman does, which causes Joker to leave. Meanwhile, Batman will not take Robin under his wing because no one is worth his time. So you guys are liking the Robin inclusion in this, huh? Yeah, I would dare say, by a landslide, this is the best version of Robin we've had cinematically up to this point. Oh, jeez. Not that that's an especially high bar, but at least they actually have a relationship, and he's a he's a ch- he's a teenager. He's all gung ho and puppy eyed about being Batman's. So so does so does Batman live in Bruce Wayne's basement? No, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. Yeah, no. This Robin for me is neck and neck with Joseph Gordon Levitt as absolutely characters that I can't stand being in a Batman movie. No, there it's I can't, I can't stand this Robin whatsoever. Batman says that he wants to go down and help his friends, which he does, and then proclaims himself to be sorry. He then says that he didn't come back because he was afraid of losing something close to him. And then he says he needs Barbara's help, and she responds, I thought you'd never ask. So Batman says that he called for backup, and then he calls Barbara Batgirl. We then have a whole bunch of nonsense as they fly into Joker's lair, and then the use of on-screen sound effects is established. And then there's a whole lot of taking people to the Phantom Zone, as Batman tells Joker that if there's no more Gotham, they'd never fight again. (laughs) This rescues Gotham, and then Joker tells him that he had him at Shut Up. So, a little play on the Jerry Maguire reference from earlier. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Batman then tells Joker that he hates him forever, 
and he tells Robin that he made a promise and needs to go back to the Phantom Zone. He tells him it's his family, but it's Robin's family too. Oh boy. He goes back, or does he? Batman falls down, and Joker tells him that he'll be seeing him on the streets. He puts up a picture of him and Robin as the screen turns white, and credits roll on the Lego Batman movie. And please don't tell me there's a post-credit scene here. Nope. All right. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I couldn't remember. When I watched it for this, I actually high-speeded through it all, but went through to check to make sure. All right. That does it for the Lego Batman movie, boys. I felt really old watching it because it was moving so fast and erratically, and it was loud. I just wanted to shut it off and close my senses after a certain point. To me, I guess this will go into my closing thought, but there's a demarcation point, and I think it's when the villains enter the movie that the movie becomes exclusively a kid's film, right down to the, the overly simplistic messages. This was not something on the level of Pixar, which I thought the Lego movie achieve all right that might be the fastest plot summary i've ever done for this show <laughs> on a scale of one to ten what do we give the lego batman movie matt you go ahead and go sir time has not been good to this movie in my viewing experience i enjoyed this a lot more the first time i don't know if that's just because it caught me in a good mood or i was so let down by suicide squad and when i say let down i mean dropped like hans gruber where i felt like i was falling for two goddamn hours walking into this movie i wanted a laugh because i thought batman had gone so far off the the humor was gone and he had gotten to the point where that song was just a perfect reflection so what i thought was a great idea in doing this I think is undone by just how frenetic and unfocused it is. Forget gag a minute. This movie is borderline gag a second. And when you do that in the right hands, I think it can be something that you use to both poke fun, but also show admiration. And the movie can never quite, much like Legos, it can't assemble the pieces to keep it straight throughout. So the jokes for me are, are ebbs and flows. Some of them I think are really funny, and some of them fall really flat. And most of the ones that work are in the first 45, 50 minutes for me. I really wish that this got another pass, or maybe this is something that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I kind of wish they had more input on, because I love the Jump Street movies, I love the Lego movie, I love Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I think they're they're very sharp minds, which will be very fun to talk about when we get to Solo next year. But... I'd be lying if I said this wasn't a disappointment. In hindsight, it's a tribute, but is it what it could have been to its fullest potential? Absolutely not. I can't believe I'm going to say this because I had a much higher score written down in my head when I left theater. But maybe it's just because I'm old and I'm a father now and, I don't know, TikTok at this point. But for me, this is a this is a 5 on 10. Like, this is one of the ultimate... 50-50 movies for me, like, much like Two-Face, I could flip a coin to decide if I laugh at a joke or not through most of this. And for an animated movie, with the exception of Will Arnett and Ray Fiennes, I think most of the voice acting is second rate, and this is why great voice actors don't get enough respect, and it's not considered as prestigious as it should be, because this is the worst example of taking big names to try to sell your movie that sells itself and getting nothing dynamic or worthwhile out of it. All right. That's a much lower score than I was expecting from Goudreau. Five out of ten. Adam, as the guy who has been pretty down this entire podcast on how you felt about this movie, what is your final score, sir? This is a movie that I was going into pretty excitedly. Really liked the Lego movie. Taking my son to see it. The trailer was a lot of fun. 
You know, they'd done the darkness, no parents, you know, that had been out and about. I think they released an entire single on it. This movie, though, is like walking into a sweet shop as a kid with no restrictions whatsoever, nobody guarding every piece of just sugary saccharin that you can get your hands on, and you running around like crazy until you pass out. It's colorful, but it doesn't even look as good as the Lego movie. You know, that one kind of gave you the feel of blocks playing. You know, it gave you that Lego feel. This one, for the most part, doesn't even feel like that. You know, they changed up the computer animation, and it took away even the look of what made the Lego movie special. You know, to echo Matt's thoughts, the voice acting, so much of it is phoned in, probably literally phoned in, (laughs) unfortunately, you know, with the exception of, of only a few. And maybe it's telling that Chris McKay, you know, directed like one movie for Amazon after this. That's it. You know, he's done nothing else since. It's a shame because the Lego movie, there's a heart to that movie that I think most people, Garrett not included, but most people, you know, really find some heart in that by the end of it. In this one, they could have found a way to give this some heart and give it some family. And they just pissed it away with poor writing, poor execution, poor delivery of the product on screen. And it's it's really unfortunate. I can't get into this movie. I tried now i've tried again this is going into a vault that luckily i don't have to pull it out if i want lego batman i'm gonna play with actual legos that i have because i enjoy those like i and my son should have been the ultimate target for this movie and both of us actually alex included walked out going dad that really wasn't all that good and i i agree i was like nope bud it wasn't when it got time for those end credits and that song is playing that feels like fucking something that you would see in willy wonka's wonderland i remember him going we don't have to sit through this right can we go and and that's what i wanted to do again is just get up and go not very enjoyable and it's a shame it really is i'm giving this one i think i'm gonna land on a four four on ten And shockingly, I have a higher score written down than both of you for this movie, and I went in with the lowest of expectations. I have admitted that I haven't laughed that much at the course of this, but I do like the fact that they gave Batman a little something to... His character did grow a little bit by the end of this. And look, you can look at this and say, well, Batman's not supposed to do that. You know, he's in these comics. But this, we got to remember who the audience is for this. It's not two 40-year-olds and one guy in his almost 30s going through and and reviewing this for a podcast. It's for kids. And uh, I think the message it sends here is actually pretty decent. Now, the jokes are really hit and miss. And for the most part, they do miss. I I did chuckle a few times. I like this more than the Lego movie. I I find that all these references, and I've said it a hundred times, if there's nothing really behind these references, then, you know, it's not something that I actually can go with. So I'm going to land on a six. With this, I laughed enough. I think there's enough of a message, but this is completely skippable. And I probably wouldn't visit it again, you know, unless I somehow get kids. But for the most part, yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from the Lego Batman movie, but it's harmless. If you sit here and you don't have any of the baggage of watching all the Batman movies or any of that, and your kid wants to sit and watch it, I think it's a decent way to pass the time, but definitely not something I would watch again as a 45-year-old adult. So that does it for the Lego Batman movie. Next week... We go right back to the Snyderverse with what they were building for a set of years, the Justice League. Now, I have not seen the Justice League since it was released in theaters. And I remember coming out saying, eh, it was okay. And I have not revisited it. Boys, what are you guys expecting next week? 
You know, I remember walking out of that theater and having a similar response to you going, you know, that didn't suck. Huh, way to go. Way to turn things around. Way to be working the right direction. I've had some different thoughts of it throughout. I've seen it a bunch of times since, but I remember being very excited to go see it, obviously. You know, this is a team that I wanted to see on screen. I profess my love for Ben Affleck in the suit when we discussed Batman versus Superman. So I was extremely excited to see what this was going to be. The rewatch is going to be an interesting discussion. For those wondering, we are going to focus on the original theatrical cut of Justice League. And that's going to be the discussion. The uh, four-hour Zack Snyder's Justice League will be a different discussion. But, I mean, this was a this was an opening weekend watch. This was a preview night watch. And... I was there with my Marvel shirt on, ready to go. <laughs> Jeez. You don't wear the band you don't wear the shirt of the band you're gonna see. You know the rules. <laughs> Matt, what about you, sir? What are you expecting next week? So much like you guys, I had a feeling of eh, it was okay when I left the theater. Like I, I didn't think it was the dumpster fire that I thought it was gonna be based on all the the ramblings and drama, which we'll get into. But was it something that I'd willingly watch again? No, not until you guys had said, by the way, we're, we're doing Batman and he's in the Justice League. So, yep, we're stuck watching it, unfortunately. And we'll, like Adam said, it'll be two separate discussions. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Certainly more content to be discussed than what we just talked about for a little less than an hour. <laughs> You're not kidding. Yeah. It, when we did Batman vs. Superman, we did 30 minutes, and that's with the edits, 30 minutes of buildup. I have a feeling just talking about next week's movie, we're going to have so much to get into. And then once we get into the plot and everything, man, it, it might be one of our longest podcasts. But yeah, it's something I've never discussed long form before on the air. So it, it's going to be a, a, an interesting experience to go over it no matter what. All right, boys, that does it for the Lego Batman movie. I'd like to thank you guys for joining me. Let's please never do another Lego movie again <laughs> until next week when we talk about Justice League. Why did I build this thing with only one seat? Because last time I checked, I only had one podcast. Thanks, boys. All my friends are heating, taking slow Wait for them to ask you who you know Separating the boxes is still going to cause a massive surge I'll have to be there, but you guys should think about getting clear We're with you till it's done Honestly, I think we're all going to be dead way before that And you know what? I don't mind It's an honorable end But we got to shut Steppenwolf down Superman's a no-show you got no powers, no offense. This guy might be working for the enemy, we don't know. You're tripping over your feet and mine. Oof, you're gorgeous, fierce, and strong. And, mm. I know we went to war with the Amazons, but that was before my time. And you know what? I don't want to die. I'm young, there's shit that I want to do. I just feel like I never really embraced the sea or the land. I've been alone my whole life, being part of something bigger like this. Maybe I'm scared because I'm meant to I think that was beautiful. You say a word about this. You'll meet every prana I know. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Three Men in a Retrospective Podcast. This place is amazing, y'all. Join us next week for an entirely new review. Hollywood, here we come! <laughs> the Three Men in a Retrospective Podcast is produced by Garrett, Matt, Adam, 
and Nathan. I hate everything you just said. Edited by Garrett. What is it with you? What made you what you are? Voiceovers by Adam. That's what a dose of reality will do to you. It's why I never touch the stuff. I find it waters down the hallucinations. The Three Men and a Retrospective podcast is for review and discussion, and all clips, music, and audio cues are used as such. I was just trying to get you there. questions for you guys about this i bet you do <laughs> um i'm not putting the uh, i'm not putting you two in charge of scheduling anymore okay well you're the one who missed a completion so i know i know yeah it's not my fault i'm i mean shit with all the straight to dvd children of the fuck movies i'm ready to do an entire dc animated retrospective <laughs> All right. Theatrical only my ass. <laughs> Adaptations, it's different. Okay. This is actually funny because to the unfamiliar and even devoted Batman fans, they go so far down the pecking order that the movie has to call out, yes, all of these are real. Damn it, I didn't have um, it on I mute. Think... Matt, I didn't have it on mute. And once again, I got one of Jen's sneezes on the air. I know. Can you please start that again? So I, I, for, I did not hit mute on that. Go say it again, please. This is funny. Why? Um. All right. So we're seeing the be- this part. I do like. You I do could, like this part. Sorry. You do. Go ahead. Th- this part. I. I- Booyah.